0: It's midnight in America, and this is the hour of decision. My name is Lou Moore. Tonight, we're going to ask you a question Does America need a divorce? Are you really irritated by all those blue state people that are either around you if you live in a place like San Francisco, or on your television uh, if you're ensconced in a safe red state like Idaho? Let's talk about the great divorce. First of all, I want to say again, we live in a world of clickbait where people are coming up with every kind of different thing uh, to get your eyeballs quickly in that three seconds that people say now that people like us have on the internet and in the podcast world three seconds to engage folks. Uh, They're coming up with every kind of thing they can to get that engagement done, getting you paying attention to stuff like, does America need a divorce? Well, it is a topic of conversation now. Marjorie Taylor Greene brought it up and everybody knows she's, there's a lot of eyeballs on her for a lot of different reasons. Wayne Allen Root on Real America's Voice, I think he's got a radio show as well out of Las Vegas, longtime libertarian-slash-conservative talker. I guess he's brought up the subject, from what I understand. The other night, I was uh, just kind of cruising through different things on Rumble, stumbled upon the Stu Peters show, and he's got a guy from Idaho on there, and what are they talking about? Well, gee, the next thing we need to do is work on getting a bastion in the Northwest separated from the rest of the United States. Anyway, people are talking about stuff like this. So, uh, I guess my first question is, what else could he be working on with all of the concerns the gentleman expressed about the way the country's going? There's Texit in Texas. There's a whole group in Texas trying to have Texas secede from the Union again, since they were involved with the Confederacy. And there's a movement in New Hampshire. There's state legislators in New Hampshire. Of course, if you understand their state legislature, there's a whole lot of them in New Hampshire. They don't have large areas that they represent. But there are state legislators in New Hampshire who are talking about New Hampshire leaving the union. I wonder how many nukes they should get if we're dividing up the stockpile. It's not a very big state. So there's these other movements afloat, evidently. But primarily tonight, we're going to talk about this idea of a red state, blue state split. And I think you know, uh, you might, if you've been following this podcast as we started it recently. I don't like the red state, blue state thing. Uh, that's another phony rig deal. Uh, the Republicans should not be the reds. Uh, The reds are our opponents and the Republican Party colors were always blue up until the 90s when they came up with this red state, blue state thing, uh, which was not uh, part of our parlance before that. But anyway, I digress. So I don't think a lot of thought has been put into this idea of a great divorce between red states and blue states. First of all, what's the objective? Uh, Are we talking about giving up half the country so we can maybe keep the other half? Exactly how is this going to work? Who's going to negotiate this, quote, for us, unquote? How much effort are you going to have to put into this to convince enough people to make this a thing? Could you be doing some other things with your time? I certainly think so. I uh, believe this, in fact, is in some quarters worse than just clickbait. Uh, I I think there's some of our not-so-much friends overseas would love to see a split in the United States of America, even people just talking about it and possibly starting to act out because they want to have it happen. Which states are we talking about? You know, there are not clearly defined red states and blue states. There are states that are pretty definitely one or the other. But there's a lot of states that aren't. Just look at the swing states in terms of presidential politics. I mean, who's going to get Pennsylvania? How about Nevada? You want to give up Nevada? They appear to be more of a blue state now, but yet I don't believe that's true. Same, same with Arizona. Same with Georgia. What about Wisconsin? What about Michigan? Well, I don't want to give any of them up, but but where are they going to be assigned in this scheme of things? Will there be a plebiscite in these states? A plebiscite being uh, a ballot measure put on the ballot where people decide. You know, a lot of people are celebrating democracy all the time in this country, or they're so worried about. People like me being a threat to democracy. Uh, so, are we going to be democratic and have a plebiscite, a vote on these things? Is that a good idea? Do we really want to hold a vote in Arizona on this important of an issue, and just go with the outcome? With what's been happening in Arizona the last three election cycles, or Georgia, or Pennsylvania, or Wisconsin? Or Michigan? I don't think so. I don't think that's a good idea. And as I said in my first podcast, a little bit in jest, but really not. If we're going to have this great divorce, who's going to get the nukes? That's kind of important. Who's going to decide that? And that reminds me of another issue, this whole situation with Ukraine uh in the 90s when the soviet union broke up ukraine had nukes and we talked them out of their nukes because we said we would always protect them got to have nukes in this world if you're really going to be sovereign you have to have some nukes and so how is that going to be divided so let's look uh, at the map red and blue Uh, in the most Honest election of all time, at least they told us that's the case. The 2020 election, if you look at the map, almost the whole damn map is red. If it's by county, if it's by state, then no, that's not true. But if it's by county, almost the entire country is in red. So what are we going to do if we're doing this state by state, but yet there are red counties in that are a majority, and a geographic majority, in just about every one of these blue states, there's red counties. What are we going to do about the left behind? Uh, It reminds me of a song by the Smokin' Armadillos, a band I highly recommend, Uh, you listen to from California, uh, where they talk about the other California. You know, this kind of hits close to home because I used to live in the other California. And I guarantee you, Shasta County, up where Redding is in the north part of California, uh, it's probably at least 80 percent MAGA there. The county council or the county supervisors, I think they call them there, they threw out the Dominion voting machines and they went back to a hand count, uh, which would still be what they have now for elections for counting the ballots. Except the uh, California legislature, which is a nest of communists, uh, in their infinite wisdom, passed a law directed specifically at my patriotic friends in Shasta County, saying it's illegal in California to count the ballots in an election by hand. I mean, it's the most terrible thing in the world. We need a law. But my point being, uh, not the fact that there's a bunch of communists in Sacramento. Actually, that kind of lends. uh, that's actually maybe an argument for the other side, but that there are people in counties that are n- not just a majority, a huge majority, uh, with a point of view that I have, that I think you have, America first, constitutionalist. What are we going to do with them in this red state, blue state thing? And then what about the people in uh, the red and co- the blue counties, people in, the, in San Francisco? There's thousands of patriots in San Francisco. Uh, San Francisco has several hundred thousand people. It's probably 90-10. Democrat, I know Seattle, the area I hail from where I lived for 30 years before I came down here to Utah. Uh, Seattle's about 90-10. But 10% of Seattle's not five people. It's thousands of people. What are you going to do about them? I mean, you look at the left coast, Let's take that the, as an example. I'm more familiar ge- with the geography up and down uh, the West Coast than I am the East Coast, uh, the other big location of blue states and socialists and bad government, et cetera. I mean, uh, you look at California, again, most of the territory, most of the counties are solidly red. And there's pockets even in, the, in Los Angeles County and Orange County. Uh, they're solidly red. And in San Diego County, they're solidly red. And in the Bay Area, I went to high school in the Bay Area. The area I lived in was, uh, I think it, today would still be a Republican, even though there's, it's surrounded by Democrats and the county's Democrat, and the region certainly is Democrat. But what about those areas? Same thing in Oregon. I mean, you get outside of the Eugene area and you get outside of the Portland area, which is where the largest concentration of the population is. But you get it to Eastern Oregon, my God, this is patriot country, 100%. And in fact, uh, uh, a movement, and we're going to talk about this type of redistribution in a minute here, but you know, there's a movement in the counties in Eastern Oregon to go to Idaho, not be part of Oregon, not be captive to uh, Eugene and Portland any longer. But we have... So, so we have some problems, I would suggest, uh, from many different directions about this idea. Another thing I want to bring up that was the subject uh, of a recent podcast I did is we're entering a new party system in America. And what I mean by that is uh, the alignments of the parties, the driving ideology of the two parties is changing. I mean, years ago, uh, the Republicans would not be the party of working people wanting to project uh, protect jobs through tariffs and have a firm stance at the border. We were a chamber of commerce party where they love to uh, offshore our industry and they love uh, immigrants to come in and work for less money than the current American citizens. That's been kind of, I'm not saying every Republican believed that, certainly not, but uh, the driving force uh, in the Republican Party was more that way than it was anything resembling uh, what the supporters of Donald Trump I believe now. But Trump, in fact, is the catalyst of a changing party system. And so you have areas of the country right now that have always voted Democrat. I'm thinking of like the peninsula and Washington state. I'm thinking of a few areas uh, where now uh, there are Trump supporters in huge numbers, and uh, he will probably carry these areas in 2024, the kind of areas I'm thinking about, if he didn't before. But at the same time, there's some affluent suburbs around Philadelphia, around San Francisco, around, you know, around any, pick any urban area. There are affluent suburbs who had been traditionally more Republican and very happy with Mitt Romney and very happy with John McCain, and happy, happy when the Bushes were in there, but not so happy about Donald Trump. And we'll have to see. Uh, you know, that's where this, uh, this here uh, suburban female voter comes in, what they used to call the soccer mom uh, back in the Bill Clinton era. Uh, they're, they're not too given to supporting Trump. But with all the craziness at the border and the crime going up and all the economic issues, they smart people are even saying they're in play. And that will determine how these affluent suburbs go, whether they continue Republican or really become more ensconced in a Democrat column. But my main point is uh, we, uh, we have a new party system. Uh, there is a realignment. Hispanics. Uh, from the time that the uh, Bushes left office, the uh, numbers were plummeting of Hispanics voting for Republicans. In fact, they had that big, forgot what they called it, some kind of uh, examination. There was a name for it. It was a report saying, oh, we have to be looser on immigration. We have to do all this catering uh, to the Hispanic voter. We're going to be left behind because they're the fastest growing segment in the population. But guess what? Trump came in, no catering, no pandering, tough on immigration, build the wall. And now we're looking at about a 50-50 split, uh, according to the polling I've seen recently, among the Hispanics. Well, that's going to make a big difference in the party system also, if that continues, because a lot of these folks have been voting Democrat. But anyway, with those kinds of changes, I don't think we can make assumptions in the future like maybe we thought we could if, uh, about blue states and red states. And then there's an obvious question, and that's our external enemies. What about them? Now, people who watched Tucker Carlson and Putin the other night and believe every word Putin says just because it came out of his mouth, this guy who was a KGB spy master, a master of disinformation by definition with his affiliation with the KGB. I mean, people that believe every word he says will say, well, we're not a threat. He does he want to threaten all of Ukraine. He's the greatest guy in the world. But uh, I don't believe that. And I certainly don't believe we have no threat coming from China, where there are hundreds of military-age men coming in every week across our poorest borders. I just read a report today. A lot of these military-age men coming across our porous borders are giving the exact right answer to the five questions they're using to screen now, where they were asking 40. But uh, they're finding that they have CCP ties in many, many cases, or, uh, or milita- military ties. So anyhow, we got a big problem with immigration. We got a big problem with China. You got to face up to it. We do. They are on the march. They are on the ascendancy and we are not and they're uh, getting more and more aggressive on many fronts and we are not so what about china what about what about russia what about radical islam is it can we just divide the country up any different way we want and and do that type of disruption not just to the uh, culture and to society here but to our military uh, can we do that without consequences Really don't think so. Really don't think so. There, as a matter of fact, there was a story recently saying that there is evidence that there is Russian backing of the HEXIT movement, the uh, I mean, the movement in Texas to secede from the union. And uh, I, I'm loath to just go with that. But I, I don't really like. I don't really like it when we have these kind of discussions or debates within our own camp to immediately start saying, well, you got, you're getting money from Russia. You're getting money from China. But, uh, you know, there is some of that going on. So, hmm, not quite sure. So what do I support? I support realignments. I have no problem with eastern Washington and eastern Oregon going into Idaho. I have no problem with that. Um, but, you know, those things are tough. Uh, There were some attempts. And then there's also realignments within states. There was a movement in uh, my county, Snohomish County, in Washington State, which is typical of a lot of these areas. It's a blue state, and it's a blue county, but not if you take the city of Everett out of that county. You take the city of Everett out, it gets red pretty fast. And every mile you drive east on Highway 2 out of Everett, you start seeing Trump signs. And then pretty soon you start seeing a lot of them. And so anyway, uh, there was an effort in the early 90s to separate eastern and northern Stohomish County from Everett and the I-5 corridor uh, in that county. And you know, I'm supportive of that kind of thing. If uh, you can get people, t- yeah. if you can pull it off. But the powers that be don't like those kinds of things. And it, 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 you can spend a whole lot of effort uh, in those kind of endeavors. But they are constitutional. I'm okay with that. Still don't think they should, it should anyway be a high priority uh, for an activist. You know, one other thing I want to mention is that uh, let's say we did divide the red states and the blue states. Let's say we did uh, succeed, had plebiscites all over the country, and this great effort succeeded. So, what do you have then? Uh, you, you got a lot of uh, blue states that are now unshackled from the red states in terms of the federal government, in terms of the, the national picture. And I think you're going to have a lot meaner opponents in those blue states than you visualize now. And why are we even having this conversation? It's because of the communist penetration, the uh, globalist, socialist, social engineering, Marxist, you know, whatever, whatever appellations you want to put on this. That that the penetration of our society, our governance, uh, that's why we're even having this conversation. So you know, let's say we have this divide. Are they not going to have any designs on the red states? Of course they are. They're still going to be working day and night uh, to uh, have their way with the red states. And nothing's going to change. Nothing's going to change. Excuse me. Except you know, we've lost half the country. Sorry, I'm getting a little worked up here, but. Anyway, the more I talk about this and think about it, the more I think this is really, really a poorly thought out bad idea. So what do I support? Uh, I support uh, state and local sovereignty like my good friend Lowell Nelson and his she you know, has a show every week, The Path to State and local sovereignty. Uh, that's on K Talk Radio in Salt Lake. It's streamed all over the world, and we're now putting. We're also going to turn it into a podcast, and uh, it will also be featured on News for America. I'm all for a proper uh, relationship, restoring a constitutional relationship, which we do not have right now, between the state and federal governments, and between local and state and federal governments. And the tool of nullification that Madison talked about in Federalist Number 46 is constitutional, legal, and states do not have to abide by unconstitutional orders from the federal government, and they're realizing this more and more. Just look at the border situation right now, and even counties and county sheriffs around the country I mean, there's several sheriffs in Oregon, I think it's still a case, that will not enforce their draconian gun laws that have been passed out of Albany, the capital there, and and basically out of of Portland. They're They're not upholding those. I mean, that's a form of nullification. And so I think we need to do more and more of this at the state and local level, and not just... Uh, in blue states. uh, In red states, too, there's, you know, everything's not perfection by any means in these red states. So I think we need to take a real close look at nullification. Uh, Dare I say the John Burt Society has some excellent materials out that you can see at jbs.org about nullification. They get into detail with that topic. But, you know, that's the way to go. Not dividing the country up and giving any part of it, giving any part of the New Jerusalem uh, to the communists, which is essentially what we're talking about. But I'm a realist. Yeah, you know, Particularly if Trump wins the presidential election and doesn't go to jail, we might be facing a very violent and lawless future. A lawlessness both on the streets of this country Uh, People that are beside themselves that Trump was elected and uh, not a small amount of lawlessness in a lot of our law enforcement agencies at the federal uh, level. So your task, I think, is to stay within the law, work from the bottom up, work on yourself, work on your family and with your family, and then with your neighborhood. We talk about the precinct strategy. I talked about this in the context of taking back the Republican Party. But the truth is, neighborhood by neighborhood is how we're going to take back this country in a lot of ways. So if you don't know your neighbors and you don't know where people around you stand on the issues, a good way to find out is get involved with the precinct strategy, organizing for the Republicans, and go around and talk to these people. But there's many reasons to do that, be far beyond just Republican politics, as we look at the kind of future we might have. Support good members of your state legislatures. We talked about the Congress recently. We haven't really talked about state legislatures, state governance, local governance, and we will. But support good people at the city, county, and state levels super important, particularly with the uncertain future that we face here in this country. And uh, support sheriffs who understand nullification. Support sheriffs who understand the Constitution. Support a sheriff who would not be afraid to maybe look at an election that doesn't smell too good, the results of an election. Uh, That's real important. Uh, And I hope You know we are never going to talk about these kind of things in any other than a political context but it's hard to say what the future holds so as far as america i want to keep all of it i want to keep all of it and rededicate it to god because it is the new jerusalem the the pilgrims came over here that they looked at this country as something completely different blessed by god and thought they were called to be here And when this rising generation has the same feelings, promptings come to them, we're going to be just fine and our enemies will be defeated. My name is Lou Moore. This show is the Hour of Decision. The Hour of Decision can be found on News for America at newsforamerica.org. I also want to remind you that on our other website, securevote.news, You can see an aggregation of election and election-adjacent topics. We also have a live show, National, every Tuesday morning at 915 Mountain. That's 815 Pacific and 1015 Eastern, I guess, 11, excuse me, 1115 Eastern, 1015 Central. It's just 15 minutes, too, at 15 past the hour. But we cover the most important stories of the week. And then we encourage you to see the full story and many others at securevote.news. So check that out if you can. My name is Lou Moore. This is the of Decision. Pray for America. See you later.